Militarily Speaking, Episode 29, Operation Homefront. This episode, we talk with Bob Thomas from Operation Homefront. Jody, as we were talking earlier, and we talked to Bob, that Operation Homefront, when we we thought about doing this podcast a year, year and a half ago, was Operation Homefront by far was going was gonna to make the list because at Travis Air Force Base, at Fort Bliss, at places around the country, we've supported the Backpack Brigade and things that, that they do to, to serve the military community. So I, I have to say this, they're at the forefront of the Militarily Speaking podcast menu. There you have it. You've made it a reality. So welcome that they're here. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean, Jody Vickery. I'm the Regional Military Executive for Armed Forces Bank, and Jody is the Executive Vice President, Director of Military Consumer Lending. A lot of words in your title. There are. We could abbreviate it. We could just make up one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll work for food. You know, that's, that's fine. So again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about our guest, Bob Thomas from Operation Homefront. And Bob, bear with me for just a minute. I'm going to share a little bit about you with our audience because I think they'll find it valuable as we dive in today. Bob is the Chief Operating Officer of Operation Homefront, a nonprofit that has proudly served America's military families since 2002. Their organization provides relief, resiliency, and recurring family support programs and services throughout the year to help military families overcome short-term difficulties so they don't become long-term hardships. Bob joined the Operation Homefront executive team in August 2015, following a nearly 31-year career of distinguished service in the Air Force. That's impressive, and we thank you for that. In his final command assignment, he led a development team that was responsible for directing the education and training programs that produced more than 81% of the officer cadre of the Air Force. In addition to being an experienced combat pilot, Bob held staff assignments at the Headquarters Air Mobility Command, Joint Special Operations Command, the United Nations, and the Air Staff. He has flown combat and combat support missions or deployed with Joint Special Ops in Panama and Somalia, as well as the Balkans, Operation Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and Enduring Freedom. That is impressive. I know. Yours and mine would say Tom McLean banker, right? (laughs) And then Bob, Bob's got all this stuff behind the scenes and all the yes, accomplishments yeah. that he's done. I would say that might be more impressive than your and I's added together <laughs> if I had to go out on a limb. Yeah. I've ridden in a plane, so I guess I could put that. But um, welcome, Bob. Impressive background. We are so honored to have you on our show, and, and we thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for the invitation. Really excited the opportunity to tell everyone a little bit more about Operation Homefront and our programs. That's wonderful. And that's, I think that's how we're going to get started. Um, he just teed himself up I know, with that, <laughs> that question, didn't he? <laughs> I, I could just go and get a cup of coffee. So tell us about Operation Homefront. You know, so I don't want to assume that our audience audience knows, and I want to take full advantage of the time to inform them. So you guys are doing such important work. Tell us a little bit about Operation Homefront and what was the catalyst behind getting it started? Well, the first thing to know about Operation Homefront is our mission, and that is to help build strong, stable, secure military families so they thrive, not struggle to get by, but thrive in those communities they work so hard to protect. We've been around for 21 years. We started very small, two spouses in a garage. They saw all the troops deploying about 20 years ago, and they wanted to get involved. They wanted to do something for the family. So what makes us a little bit different than a lot of military philanthropic organizations as we focus on the family. Now, the adult family members, mom or dad or mom and dad, 
a critical member of their family as, as the veteran, but our, our program and our mission focuses on the families. You know, our military families have been there for, for our nation in its time of need, and we want to be there for them in, in their time of need. So we've developed this portfolio programs to help our military families. Oh, I love that. And you know, starting with two military spouses in a garage, you know I, put it sounds my, like? I would put my money on that every day of the week, yeah. maybe twice on Sunday. It sounds like, you know, a computer startup company, right? They always talk yeah. about just starting as small as that and becoming a force out there doing such great work. So Operation Homefront, Bob, has some pretty impressive and mind-blowing stats that I want to share with our listeners. You've given over 160,000 holiday meals to military and veteran families. You've housed over 700 families in permanent homes for veterans, a total of over 100 million in deeded home equity to military families, fulfilled over 53,000 assistance requests. I'm going to have to take a breath after this too. Requests <laughs> from military families for a total of $37 million in donations and over $55 million in school supplies to military children. And I think I read, Bob, that's about 500,000 backpacks and supplies that comprise that last number I read of 55 million. What's the secret sauce behind the great achievements that you had over the last two decades plus? Well, the, the secret really is our donors, because we can't, we can't provide any programs. We can't provide housing. We can't provide a home or an apartment unless a donor steps in and helps us do that. So we have some wonderful, wonderful partners that help us accomplish our mission. You know, I'm gonna brief our board of directors next week on our board meeting at our Military Child of the Year celebration in Washington, D.C. Really excited about that on the 13th, 13th of yeah. April. But this year we're hoping to fulfill our 55,000th request for critical financial assistance and pass the important milestone of providing over $40 million in relief to military families. We should support our 750th military family in our transitional housing villages. Those are for families going through the medical discharge process, mm. saving those families since that program started over $8 million in rent and utility assistance. In our transitional homes for veterans, we hope to purchase our 40th home for that program and graduate our 25th family. That's a great program. The families stay in home for, for two to three years. They work to reduce debt, increase savings, and prepare to be in a financial position to buy their own home. They don't have to buy a home upon graduation, but, right. but we want them to be in a position to do that. We should graduate our 685th family from our Permanent Homes for Veterans program. So that deeded equity number uh, by the end of this year will jump up to over $103 million. And when those families graduate from that program, we deed them the home. So it's really a life-changing life-changing program for them. Back to school this year, we hope to cross the 550,000th backpack wow. milestone, providing over $60 million in school supplies. Now, truth be told, we collect more school supplies than we need for our backpacks. So we just want the supplies that we collect to get in the hands of kids, military kids or kids in other organizations that, that are supporting children. So it may be the Boys and Girls Club, it may be the local school district or the Family Readiness Center on the base but we'll make sure we don't want to put, store anything for a year. We want to get those supplies out. And our holiday meals, you talked about it. You know, this year we hope to supply, support our 700,000th individual family member with a meal. And that's providing over $9.2 million in holiday meal assistance to those families. You know, we don't want a family who's serving our country in the military to, to sit around and say, you know, got to make a, a decision on whether to have presents to put under the tree or have something a little special 
for my family during the holiday period. So we want to be there for those families. All of those recurring family support programs are targeting our junior enlisted families. They have very small paychecks, the smallest paychecks in the Department of Defense. They tend to have young children in the home. And those programs are very targeted, either back to school, the baby showers and the holiday meals to provide support for those families at, at certain times of the year that are very expensive for them. Hey, Bob, you mentioned the surplus of supplies you may have because you've got too many for the backpacks. Is there, do you have some marching orders for the, our audience to reach out to put a request in for those? It seems, seems like you already find places to donate those. But Yeah, you can get on our website, operationhomefront.org. Okay. And we've tried to make a one-stop shopping, very intuitive. You can learn more about the organization on the site. You can choose to donate if you so desire. You can apply for assistance. And the, the majority of people that come to our website are actually visiting to apply for one of our programs. You can learn how to be a volunteer. But importantly, you can also find out how to make contact. So if you are interested, go on the website, leave a message. We have 23 operating locations nationwide. We'll get that message to the location closest to where you are and you can start a dialogue. You know, our school supplies, for example, the majority of those are collected from customers that shop at Dollar Tree. So this year we'll have over 8,000 Dollar Tree stores collecting school supplies for Operation Homefront. And then our volunteers will pick those supplies up. We'll aggregate those and we'll try to get them in a backpack that's close. You know, the, the school supplies don't have a huge monetary value coming from each store. So in a lot of cases, it's more expensive to ship the items sure, than it is yeah. just to buy. Yeah. But in some locations, we'll have excess. In some locations, we'll actually have to buy a few because we didn't quite get enough donated. But in locations where we have some excess, the local field office, if you let them know who you are and what your needs are, they can certainly work with you if we do have some extra supplies. Okay, thank you. I'm just thinking about the impact and the reach of all of the numbers that he just went through. Yeah. That's that's pretty amazing. At the core of it, though, what kind of situations do you find families in that cause them to knock on your door to ask for help? I know, you know, my husband's retired military and all the families that we've interacted with and been a part of in that community. It's a it's a proud community and it's oftentimes hard to ask for help. So what what kind of situations do they find themselves in? How do you help them feel OK about asking for help? Yeah, well, the, the vast, vast majority of people we help through our critical financial assistance program are those that have recently transitioned out of the military. So we're in the military. You've got a steady paycheck. Uh, sometimes you're living on base, so you got housing. I'm just speaking from my own experience. You don't have to, to worry about what you're going to wear to work because the right? government tells you. <laughs> yes, my husband still has the green socks, Bob. Yeah, exactly. I've got a whole drawer full. I just can't force myself to throw them out. And, you know, the last few assignments, they even said, you're going to live in this house. Here's your address. But when you when you leave the military, that changes completely in one day. And so a lot of a lot of military families, just like a lot of families in this country, they don't have a lot of savings or they have no savings. And unfortunately, I think because of the dedication of our men and women in uniform, they, they work really hard to the last day. And what we find is most of them are worried about how the unit's going to be able to adjust after they depart. So they work really late, really hard to make sure the unit does well. But in the end, on that, that first day they're out, they don't have a plan for themselves. And they may not have a resume ready to go. In some cases, they may not even know exactly where they want to live. That was my, my case, my personal case. And so 
Transitioning service members are a very high risk group because when you don't have a plan, well, the first thing you do is you say, okay, no paycheck. I better take out my credit card. And then uh, when that card's maxed out, you might take out another one. And then, you know, maybe you sell a few things, but worst case, you could do something completely crazy, like take out a payday loan at a super high interest rate. So you can wreck your financial future very quickly in those those few months or years right after you get out of the military. So we tend to focus on that group because they're a very high risk group. We want to get them through that difficult time and off to a bright future. And if if they need us to step in and help with rent, mortgage, car payment, those kind of things, we're, uh, we're happy to do it. And we have a program set up to do that. All the great work you're doing out there, Bob, I got to believe there's countless stories of how you've helped so many people individually or in a family unit that they they care you care and how do you, how do you respond and how have they been responding when it comes to i can't believe i found you i'm so happy i found you well i think you hit on it in, in your earlier statement a lot of our service members men and women and you, they're a proud group right and it really really it's really hard for them to ask for help but you know i've paid close attention to this for a number of years now the people that will really talk a lot about it are the spouses the veteran in the family normally kind of stoic and kind of deer in the headlights look at some times and they have a far, hard time finding the words to describe. But the spouses a lot of times will tell us how important it is. In some cases, I mean, this is a real story. We're in the office on Friday afternoon. Uh, most, most companies about two o'clock to three o'clock on a Friday, things are starting to wind down. We get a call. This guy says, if I don't make four mortgage payments by close of business today, I'm going to lose my home because I'll have missed my fourth payment. Wow. And he had not asked for help before. And uh, though this was a very odd case because of the time involved, I mean, the team sprung into action. We were able to wire that money to his bank within a couple of hours and it saved his home. It, it saved his home, his family from being homeless. And so that's a, that's a huge deal. And we have all kinds of stories like that. We have given cars to families that donors have given to us. And in, in this country, a car is not just a car. It's a way to get to work. Yep. And so one person, they had a wonderful job, but they had no car. So by getting with them, making sure they had a vehicle that worked, you know, they had a vehicle, but it, it was completely unreliable. It actually allowed that veteran to take care of themselves and take advantage of this job opportunity. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of the assistance we, pr- we provide is absolutely life-changing and I'm very proud of that. Well, and there's, I mean, the avenues, you, you know this, Bob, that whether it's Air Force Relief Aid or Navy Relief Aid or Army Emergency Relief, there's places that go that are responsible and to be able to stumble across operating a home front and find a solution to save that house you know, it might've been that last resort where they're calling you at the midnight hour and saying, I do not have a lifeline for this. Can you help? And you delivered. Amazing story. That's right. You know, some of those relief societies out there, it, it all depends. E- you know, each yeah. organization have their, has their own rules, but in some of those, you know, they're for active duty personnel. Correct. And so, like I talked about, you know, once you're, once you're a veteran, you're no longer on active duty and it can be a struggle to find the person that's the right fit for you. Some are very localized. We have a national footprint, but I think we're about the only organization with a national footprint that provides a broad spectrum of assistance. Awesome. So I have to believe that just given how much time you personally spent in the military, that this line of work is is obviously near and dear to your heart. 
How does it feel to continue to serve, really? Essentially, that's what you're doing. It is. You know, I think some days I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing I did on active duty. I'm just not wearing a uniform. Right. You yes. can put it on, though. Just, just put it on. Just yeah. go, go get your green go socks, your socks, Bob. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think those people who have been NCO, IC, NCO in command, mm-hmm. or in, in, in any level of command, what they determine very quickly is you take care of your, your people. If you're in the Army, you take care of your soldiers. In the Air Force, I'm taking care of airmen. And if you take care of your airmen, in my case, they're going to take care of the mission. So the smart commanders, the successful commanders, will spend a huge amount of time and focus making sure their airmen's needs are taken care of. So in this case, I'm doing the same exact thing I did on active duty, except same people, same names. We're just not wearing uniforms. It's very rewarding. You know, I was, uh, I was a military kid myself. And grew up on military bases. I was born on a military base. And when I turned 18, I, you know, shipped out for the Air Force for basic training up at the Air Force Academy. And so I came out on the other end at 53. But the, the men and women in uniform and the families, I mean, that's kind of my extended family. I get it. I mean, all the struggles that they're going through, I've, I've been through them myself. I absolutely identify with, with those families and their needs and and. I tell you, it really makes you feel good when you actually can help a family get through a very tough situation oh, yeah. that had the potential really to to sidetrack them for a long time. No question. Bob, you said you were born on a military installation. So how many moves have you had in your life? Oh, gosh. Well, that's great. Well, on active duty, I had 14. But before that, man, I really have to think about it. For my dad, I was born right here in San Antonio at Fort Sam Houston. And then- okay. He had two different tours in Europe, one in the UK, one in Germany, bounced around quite a bit, lived with grandma for a year while dad was in Vietnam, all those kind of things. So for me, the house I'm living in right now is the house I've lived in longer than any other property in my entire life. <laughs> Maybe a, even added together. A year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been, so uh, it is kind of odd at about the three year point, I'm kind of getting antsy, ready to go somewhere. <laughs> wait, wait for the call. Yeah. You're going to touch, you touch on this, I think, in prior questions, and I hope you keep talking about it, but the way you've helped people and families and individuals, you provide so many different kinds of support, like long-term assistance, short-term assistance, recurring family support programs. And your website, as you referenced, Bob, is has a lot of great information out there that people can learn about those programs. But how do you, as an organization, decide which programs have take priority, which programs might have more of a need in 2023 versus 2012. How's that process working? How do you identify the right programs that meet the needs of society today? Well, our focus really is on the relief space. And we define the relief space as critical financial assistance and transitional housing. So like I'm fond of saying, you can be in the most wonderful town in the world. You can have the best job. You can find that doctor that meets your family's needs. You can find a place to worship. you're so inclined, you can do all those things. But until you have safe, stable and secure housing, none of those dreams can take off. So housing is very, very important. It's a big part of our portfolio because it's so important to families. Financial assistance, especially in in today's world, you know, it's like I'm almost afraid to turn the TV on in the morning. You know, is it COVID-19, global (laughs) pandemic? Is it layoffs? Is it inflation? You know, what is it going to be today? And a lot of families get caught are doing everything right. They just get caught up in that. So, you know, we're really proud of that program. It's critical financial assistance. 
It's not just financial assistance. So when you apply, we want to make sure it's needs-based. So our caseworkers will ask a few questions, ask for some justification, and try to understand why you're asking for the help you are, because if you can pay your own bills, you should. And we want to preserve the dollars that we have for the families that really don't have any other options. It's important to know, especially for our donors, that we don't provide cash to anyone. With the exception of food cards, which you can only use at the grocery store, if, if you have a big auto repair you can't cover, we're going to pay the mechanic. If you have a mortgage that you're struggling with, we'll pay the mortgage servicer or the landlord or the utility company. But the dollars are, you know, cash is not touched by that person requesting assistance. The money goes straight straight to the, you know, the person that, that we need to, you know, pay the bills for. And they'll thank you for that down the road. Because if, if, if there's an intermediary for, with cash, what's the, what's the likelihood of it going to the right place? So th- to control that, you're doing a service to the, to the family. Yeah, we feel we have an obligation to the donor. Yeah. So, you know, we want to be that high confidence partner. And that's the way we look at it. It's a, it's a partnership for like-minded people. And if you are going to make a donation to Operation Homefront, whether it's $5 or, you know, a million and five dollars, we want you to have confidence the money is going to be spent in the way that you intend it to be spent. And so we have some pretty uh, tight financial controls to make sure that happens. I think you've just established yourselves as a trusted partner, I think, of this military community. And and that kind of speaks to the the next piece I want to want to talk with you about. You mentioned earlier you've got an upcoming board meeting. You guys really, I mean, have an amazing leadership team. I can't imagine you have anything less than a very engaged board. How does that help you fulfill the mission that you've laid out for us? Well, it's it's huge. I mean, it, I would say everyone working at Operation Homefront could be making more money somewhere else. So that that delta is really their personal donation to the mission. Our board members are not paid. In fact, they pay. I mean, they uh, <laughs> they have a, a commitment that they make to sure. support our mission, and they're in it for the right reasons. All of them have stories that are just amazing. You know, one of our board members had a, his father was at Monte Cassino in World War II. And it, for those of you that are history buffs, it's in Italy. It's, it was a cold weather fight. And his, his uh, father lost both hands and a foot to frostbite. And so he did not serve in the military, but he he understands the sacrifice and he wants to be there for military families. So our, we have a whole board full of those kind of stories and those individuals that that want to give back to the men and women in uniform. And they're the ones that allow us to accomplish our mission. Board of Patriots, I would think. Just looking at your website, Bob, a lot of ways for our listeners to get involved with the organization. I, I prefaced early in this discussion about our Armed Forces Bank Associates volunteering time and donating funds and support of school supplies and events like that. But on a broader scale, beyond, beyond the military installation outside the gates, what other ways can people get involved with Operation Homefront? Well, you know, I hit on a little earlier, but, you know, go to the website. We, we've tried to make it easy to answer that question on, on the website. So you can learn all about the organization. You can see the financials there. You can see the bios of our board members, the bios of the execs on the team. You can see some representative stories about where, where the assistance is going. And though the stories on the website, we've actually already serviced those because we don't want to delay, but those are the, the ones that we just serviced within the last week or so. 
and it gives you an example of where the money is going. You can you can you can donate right there on the website. We make it easy. And like I said earlier, you can apply for assistance and that's critical financial assistance. It may be you're applying for one of our housing programs. You can do it right there. Volunteering is a big deal for us because this year we're going to be picking up school supplies from over eight thousand Dollar Tree stores. And we only have about 124 or so employees. So our volunteers are the one that, that ones that do that and they perform a critical function. 80% of our back to school events this year were led by volunteers. So the volunteers out there in charge of the event, we make sure they've got the school supplies, the backpacks. We give them some training and some coaching, but they're out there leading the event and leading the other volunteers. About 61% of the holiday meal events were led by volunteers. And then the final thing I'll say on the website is, hey, you may you may not need any assistance. You may not have any money you can donate right now. You may not have enough time to volunteer, but you can always get involved amplifying our message on social media. So you could, I'm not a big social media guy, but my social media <laughs> folks help me out. But, you know, you can, you can retweet, you can like something that you see, you can uh, spread our message to our programs. A lot of times we'll identify our donors and thank them for their support. That goes a long way. And so and that, that really just costs a few seconds of your time. So, so if you can do that, that would be wonderful. You know, I'm excited about your event next week. So it's what the 13th in DC and it's your 15th annual, right? Month of the Military Child Celebration for giving out to all seven branches of service, right? You're going to be doing some awards for them, the recipients. Isn't that, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so that's our Military Child of the Year celebration. And we want to bring the spotlight on the service and sacrifice of military kids. And I get it. I was one. So, you know, each kid, I mean, these are kids, right? So they got kid stories, you know, like they worked hard. They got a starting position on the varsity football team. And then guess what? Dad got transferred. And now you went to the new school and you kind of lost that opportunity. That's important to a kid. By the way, that happened to me. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, that's my story. Close to home. <laughs> but the, the, the families serve all the same. I mean, they, and in a lot of cases, like for example, in Korea, the families are up close to the DMZ. They're inside artillery range of the North Koreans. Mm-hmm. And so you better believe the families serve. And so we want to bring the spotlight on mili- all military kids by, by identifying a few absolutely spectacular kids. And like you said, one from each service to include the Space Force now and then we also have an award for a National Guard child as a separate category. So, you know, when you read the applications for that award, I mean, I'm just blown away by some of these kids. I mean, they are all of them are great. The, the children who win are absolutely spectacular. I'm telling you, the day's coming from where one of them does something absolutely spectacular, yeah. like is the first person on Mars or <laughs> is the president of the United States, something like that super high quality kids. It's a wonderful event and it's a really feel good event, but it's all about the military kids and the military family. And these events will continue to happen year over year over year. So as this episode gets aired in the next couple of weeks, this will live in infamy where people can still understand how important that program is too. And so when you fly to DC, I'm assuming you'll be there, Bob, that you, when you pack your green socks, make sure you pack up your purple, purple shirt. shirt for purple up, Dave. <laughs> Right. That's on the 15th. So over that time frame, you can wear it during the presentation. Purple shirt. Okay. Got it. Purple shirt. All right. You're, <laughs> it, no, you're, I didn't see you write that down, Bob. 
He's <laughs> he's humoring you, Tom. <laughs> Which happens uh, quite frequently, yes, doesn't it? Yes, you should be used to that by now. You know, so what I love about all the different ways that you've shared that people can give, and it sounds like they can find them all on your site, and we want to share that over and over again, operationhomefront.org. You give people big and small ways to contribute, right? So I think it's it's common that people want to do something, and they are all equipped with different skills, abilities, financial situation, but you've really given everybody an opportunity to to give back somehow. And I think that's that's pretty special. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, you you can volunteer. A lot of kids are looking for some volunteer time for their they college are. resume. They yeah. are. My son's and, one uh, of them. <laughs> you, can, you can certainly do that, and we're and we're happy to have them out. You know, we really it was tougher during COVID because we really had to minimize the number of people at events, and we it was a no contact. So the backpack of school supplies we put it in your trunk for you, but we yeah, didn't. Yeah. There was no personal interaction during those times. Same for the meals. But yeah, we love to see the kids out and uh, we want to make room for everyone at the table. Awesome. So is there anything that we haven't thought to ask you that you sure would like to make sure our audience hears about Operation Homefront before we, we wrap up today? Well, I just want to thank, uh, first of all, both of you, Tom and Jody, for giving us an opportunity to tell our story. I want to thank all, all of our donors that, that bring our mission to life because mm-hmm. I can't give a mortgage-free home to a family unless someone gives it to me first. And I can assure you that when you give a dollar to Operation Homefront, it's gonna go for the purpose that you intended it to go to. And our overhead is very minimal. And that's why my office is my dining room table right now, because (laughs) we're we're actually taking the opportunity with COVID to reduce our footprint of our our big office in San Antonio. Our new space is over half the size of the current space because it's gonna save a ton of money every year in rent. Mm-hmm. So we try to be very efficient to maximize the number of dollars that go into the hands of military family, because that's where the donors want it to go. So a big thank you to everyone that supports our mission. And Bob, if anybody goes to Charity Navigator site, you'll see that your organization has four stars. So kudos to you and the entire team and the board and all the all the success you've had over the, the last couple of decades. Yeah, so. we're very proud of that. That's a very tough scrub, by the way, with Terry. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of paperwork, and you've got to prove that you deserve that rating. All right, we're at the time now, aren't we? We are. We, so we Tom gets a little minute. excited about this yeah. part. So if you'll hang with us, Bob, we're gonna we're gonna play military minute. Won't put you on the spot. I don't. Well, Tom might, but Bob, you can't <laughs> just don't answer the question out loud, okay? It's a little trivia game we like to play. So I want to go over the military minute from our last podcast episode. And it was a little bit of a gamble, pun intended. Yes. So the question last time was, which president made more money playing poker during his Navy days than he got from his military paychecks? Should we ask Bob? Do you know, Bob? We said we weren't going to put him on the spot. And we're like, do you know the answer? (laughs) Do you have a guess? You know, I'm an Air Force guy, so I'm a little disadvantaged here. (laughs) (laughs) Air Force guys wouldn't do that. I wouldn't know either without Google or somebody writing it down for me on this piece of paper. Normally, you're not allowed to gamble. (laughs) Well, then we won't tell on Richard Nixon. (laughs) Is he the the answer? He is the answer, yeah. Richard Nixon. Yeah, kind of maybe fitting. I don't know. I knew it wouldn't be President Carter. He he would never do anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) Well, if, if one of our listeners answered Richard Nixon on our last social media post, they can watch for their name to be announced. And what will they win, Tom? A $50 gift card. Yeah, and fifty dollars to a charity 50, of their choice. And that if that choice is Operation Homefront, then then that's a good thing. That is a great thing. That is a good thing. And so fast forward to this week, this week's military minute, and this one nobody can answer because it's a surprise. 
Only one president served as an enlisted man in the military and did not go on to become an officer. What was his name? So if you know the answer or you can- Is that a real question? That's actually our question this week. So if you know the answer, kudos to you. You paid attention in history class. If you didn't, Google's your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Go look it up and watch for this podcast to drop. And if you answer correctly, we also will be eligible to win $50 for yourself and again, $50 to a charity of your choice. So we look forward to seeing- good right answers but thank you again bob for spending time with us this afternoon i know i sure appreciated it and i just remind our audience again to visit operationhomefront.org learn more about the organization and look for ways to to give back and i'll just close out with if you enjoyed today's episode like i did and jody did go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show also make sure to rate us leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Bob, Bob, you did a fantastic job. Well, thank thank you. you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.